This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a continuation of our, my series of podcasts dealing with candidates for the Fisher City Council. With me now is Howard Stevenson. He's an attorney, a former member of the Hamilton Southeastern School Board, and uh, currently appointed to the Fisher's Plan Commission, where you serve as the president of that commission. So, Howard, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for having me. And with me uh, is uh, Mike Fossil, a retired teacher at Fisher's Junior High School. He was the sponsor of the We the People team there, which has won uh, a number of, of national awards, national championships. Mike, good to have you back. And thank you. And, Howard, just let me ask you this question. It's uh, the question I ask all candidates. Um, you've delved into politics before. Uh, you were appointed to serve on the school board when a member uh, resigned during the term. You ran in the next election and lost a, by a very narrow margin. It was a very close election there. So now you're back in elective politics again. What motivated you to uh, seek an at-large seat on the Fisher City Council? That's a great question, Larry. The reason I'm pursuing a seat on the Fisher City Council is basically I love Fisher's. My wife and I have lived in Fishers for 23 years with our three sons, and I compare it to the relationship I have with my wife. We just recently celebrated our 34th wedding anniversary, and I believe we have a great healthy relationship, but she constantly reminds me that we can always make our relationship better, and that's how I feel about Fishers. I love Fishers, but we can even make Fishers even better, and I think my skill sets will allow us to do that. I want to ask a question before we start, before I turn it over to Mike for, to ask a few questions. But we had a, a development just recently. Uh, the rating agency of Standard & Poor has downgraded the city's credit rating. Uh, their analyst inciting the, cited the following, and I'll quote, growing debt burden and high fixed costs, unquote. The city, uh, that's why the city had us a downgrade from triple A to triple to trip from triple A to double A plus in the in the credit rating when it when we're dealing with uh, property tax backed debt. Uh, Fishers has obviously been uh, very aggressive with construction projects uh, and the purchase of the uh, sewer utility. So the mayor says this downgrade was expected. Uh, Looking at this overall with managing all the debt and so forth and bringing amenities to the community, uh, what's your view of this development? Well, that's a great question. Um, the mayor, and I'll take him at his word that this was expected. Um, however, um, as a fiscally responsible person myself, I'm always concerned that we have a reduction in our credit rating and also any increase in our debt. Um, I know we've seen uh, recently um, presentations and statements regarding the reduction in our tax rate um, for the city, but also we have to look at the debt that we have as well, and we have seen an increase um, in that amount. So I am concerned, um, and when I do become a part of the city council, hopefully um, I'll be able to delve into that and get more comprehensive information. But for me personally, that is a concern whenever we have an increase in the debt. Um, and I, I take that, that perspective both with my my small business that I've owned for 18 years. Um, um, we have zero debt now, you know, but when we started out, you know, we had to finance some things. Um, but we're proud of that. And I think that applies to all the boards that I serve on, um, conscious of any debt that we have, but ultimately for our city officials as well. And the next question for Mike Fossil. Howard, 
I've always uh, been struck when people enter into the, uh, to want to be in a legislative body. And I always am very interested, was there a moment or an issue that kind of thrusted you to enter into the arena? Because entering the arena has risks and costs, as you well know. But what was it that, that said, this is something I need to be involved with? Sure. Mike, I would say in retrospect, it goes back to when I was a youth. I didn't know I would officially run for a legislative branch or the city council per se. However, I vividly remember my dad sitting down with me when I was like 12 years old. And this was during my summer break from school. And most of my friends were outside playing basketball or other activities. And he would literally have me sit down and watch C-SPAN. And we would watch congressional hearings. And my dad would ask me, son, what position or side do you take? Do you believe this congressperson or their opponent? My initial response was, in respect to my dad, I don't care. (laughs) I'm indifferent as a 12-year-old kid. However, I must admit, that was like a fine wine for me. And that interest in the legislative branch or the law more extended started to grow in me. And I had a passion for governmental affairs and services. So I would say it hasn't been something in the last few years, but it has been something that has been motivated um, inside of me, stemming from my dad. You know, when I moved to Fishers in 1991, the 1990 census put the town's population at just over 7,500. So the 2020 census shows that our population was just under 100,000. Now they're in 2023. The best guesses were above that now. How much is, is anybody's guess? With that growth comes added diversity. So with that diversity, how would you describe the state of race relations in the city of Fishers? That's a great question. And that is one of the reasons I'm running. First of all, I think Fishers is a great welcoming community. My wife and our family would not have lived here otherwise for 23 years, but we can always make it better. Um, When you quoted that data, um, Larry, it took me back to when we first moved to Fisher. So it wasn't 1990, but it was 1999, Mm. December of 1999. And there were approximately 7,000 students in the HSC schools. And then Uh, When I joined the school board later, and then currently in 2023, we have nearly 22,000. So I see the growth in our community of Fishers, but also in our school district. And I have been passionate about making sure we have everyone at the table, both in our schools, but also in our community. And we have seen the diversity in our school district, and we've seen the diversity in Fishers. And I just believe, you know, the model for the school district, I'm sorry, for our city is having a smart, vibrant, entrepreneurial city. And I would include a phrase at the end, for everyone. You know, so in terms of Fishers being open and receptive to everyone. I believe most people in Fishers feel that way, but we need to see representation at our city council um, in a more diverse way and also in the boards and commissions that we have so everyone in our community can have a voice in terms of the direction that our city is going. I've 
I'm from Maine, and so I, I grew up with William Cohen walking the state, you know, on his election, which I always laughed about, right? Because if you're going to walk a state, Maine's probably not the one I would walk. Uh, but I I follow you on social media, and I, I see you out there walking, right? You're going door to door. What is What have you learned walking door to door about the citizenry of Fishers as you have made your travel through subdivision after subdivision? <laughs> Wow. I would say I have learned a whole lot about our community. It has confirmed a lot, too, that we have people of goodwill in Fishers. And despite the difference in opinion and different schools of thought, political perspective, um, we have people of goodwill in Fishers. I honestly believe that, and this is coming from my legal background, I believe if you have two people who agree on everything all of the, all of the time, that means one of them is not thinking and they may be dispensable. So I'm not opposed to a difference in perspective, opinion, political perspective as well. But can we agree on things that um, will advance our community? So knocking on doors, and I've knocked on quite a few doors, I feel like I think Taylor Swift is on tour now and also Beyonce is on tour. And I can't say one of them have has done this, but Occasionally, a rock star will say on stage, hello, Fishers, Indiana, and their promoter comes on stage and whispers in their ear and says, actually, you're in New York City (laughs) because they don't know literally where they are. Mm -hmm. I have knocked on so many doors in Fishers. I've gone to so many subdivisions, and on a given day, I may not know what subdivision I'm in. (laughs) However, each door that I've knocked on, People have been receptive and cordial to at least talk with me, even if there may be a difference in opinion. And on some occasions, I've been able to bridge that um, communication with them where they've um, agreed and, and supporting me as well. You know, so But I embrace the diversity that we have in our community and also the different viewpoints at the doors that I knock on. I want to move to an area you know something about because you've been serving on the plan commission. That's the uh, economic development. And the city, and I don't have to tell you this, has been very aggressive in terms of economic development for a very long time, really since Scott Vadness was town manager, going back that far when we were a town. I've been reading a lot in the media lately, particularly the financial media, the, the business media, indicating that corporations are now becoming much more aggressive in their demands for state and local incentives. How do you think Fishers is positioned to compete in an environment like that? I think, and I agree with you, we have corporations who are insisting on those things even more today. I think Fishers is in a good position. Um, We see all of the economic development that we have. Um, I can't recall specifically what our current total is, but I recall reading an article in the Indianapolis Star a few months ago where it stated that the total amount for the construction projects that are going on in Fishers in the next three years or so total over $1.6 billion with a bid. I believe that came from the mayor. Yes. yes yeah. You know, so uh, we... Fishers has done a great job in that regard. However, we have to be very strategic 
in terms of how we negotiate with companies who are coming here, where we have a win-win for both the corporation, uh, because we know they will be bringing additional jobs to our community, which we wholeheartedly want. But also, we don't want the city to give away, if you will, too many incentives that will be to the detriment of our community. But I think we've done a good job in that regard. I read a book a couple years ago called The Big Sort uh, that was really about how uh, people in suburb communities live closer together, but they don't know their neighbors at all. We have, and then I think through COVID, we we isolated ourselves, and so there's a danger when we isolate ourselves, um, as Larry is fond to talk about, that people then surround themselves in echo chambers of things. Um, I see that there was a poll that was done, the mayor tweeted out in the spring about how people don't view community involvement at the same level. I think it was down to 27% thought it was important. What would you say can be done at the city council level to sort of re-engage people into the community as to feel part of the community itself? Yes. I believe at the city council level, we do know, as you um, indicated earlier, uh, Mike, that that is our legislative branch. Mm-hmm. However, um, we also should be mouthpieces for to the community as representatives. So a part of what a role of a city council person is to be a representative of providing services to their constituents. So I think as a, especially as a at-large city council person, who serves the entire community as opposed to a district, where we can be a mouthpiece to share as broadly um, as we can to our community the activities that we have going on um, in the community and what the city council is working on, but also to be um, inviting to the community to be a part of our civic process. So I think the city council can do a great job in that regard. Let me ask you about something that just came up uh, recently at a city council meeting. I was around covering the town council in 2013 when David George, who was then serving on the town council, suggested that the town take bids for a citywide trash collection service. (laughs) And uh, the bids came in, and there was going to be substantial savings with the bid that came in as the best bid. I think it was going to be between 9 and $10 a month, which sounds really good today, but was a lower cost at that time. But once there was a, they started having meetings with citizens, there was a huge blowback. People were offended the government was telling them how to pick their trash up or who they want to contract with to pick their trash up. Well, things have changed. We're down to about two different companies that are uh, – that are actually doing trash collection in, in most of the neighborhoods or maybe all the neighborhoods in, in Fishers right now. So David Giffel brought this up at the most recent city council meeting. It's interesting. Pete Peterson was around on the town council uh, when that happened, and he's still on the city council. And he made it pretty clear that uh, that was the – he got the worst blowback on that than any issue he's had on either council, town or city. And the mayor was the town council uh, – uh, I'm sorry, the mayor was the town manager at the time working for the town council and kind of explained, okay, this is what happened. So the mayor has committed he's going to give the council a work session on the process that you would go through if the council wishes to 
explore this this possibility. So based on what you know now, how would you come down on this idea? That's a great question. I was at that city council meeting earlier in the week where they discussed that. And actually, the president of my homeowners association was there. Um, Robert Evans um, was in attendance as well. So this is something that our homeowners association in, our, in the subdivision where I live has dealt with um, in the past. Um, so I do have somewhat of a knowledge as a resident and a property owner as well. I'll just say from the perspective of my HOA, um, we have a great deal that we were able to negotiate for our trash service. And at least at this point, we don't believe the city would be able to get a better deal to leverage for us. So we like the status quo in that regards. But I do know there are some subdivisions that can't say that. You know, so I am open to exploring this as an option and um, seeing what the city can do in that regards. But it has to be, from a cost-benefit perspective, something that's going to be beneficial to all of the subdivisions that are involved and not have a substantial cost to the city. So that's how I would come approach that. And which kind of leads me um, into the next question. I think that most people, when they are in a decision-making uh, position, they have to have a filter that they run proposals through. Like you, I mean, you're used to this uh, as a business owner. Lots of proposals come to you, but you've got to have a filter in which you're going to separate the what gets supported, what doesn't. So what's your filter made of? What is your filter on those type of things? Yes, um, my filter is first starting with reason, logic, how practical is it? And can I get a perspective from someone who is separate from me that can look at it from a different angle, from someone that I respect? And that's how I would approach that. I'll give an example that I've used before, but I recall... Mike, and hopefully you'll like this from your We the People mm -hmm. experience, but I was preparing for a jury trial about 10 years ago, and I gave my wife a preview of my closing argument, and I rehearsed it and I presented it to her, and for that closing argument, I was using the word fumble, and I suggested that the opposing counsel fumble the evidence during this trial, and that's why my client should win, and I used every letter in the word fumble to make my point. And I told my wife at the conclusion, I'm going to drop a small football as if I was dropping the mic um, for sensationalism. And my wife said, don't do that. And I was a little upset initially because I went to law school. My wife didn't. I passed the bar. She did not. She's a school teacher. I don't tell her how to teach in the classroom. And she said, well, Howard, you can do that, but if you drop the football, you're going to lose control of that, and the ball may roll under the, the judge's bench, or it may get out of control, and now the jury is distracted by the football. Why don't you just juggle it, and they'll get the point? And I thought that was a great idea. So I incorporated that, and we won that trial. I can't say for sure if it was just for that. <laughs> However, it's an example that I am willing to listen to someone else who has a different perspective than me because I don't have all the answers to all the issues that we're dealing with. And that's how I will address those type of proposals that come before us at the city council with reason and logic and talking with people who have a different perspective than me. As someone who's been writing a, a news blog for about 12 years or so, I 
cannot count the number of times when my wife's talked me out of some very bad ideas. So <laughs> she's no journalist, but she knows what works. Yes. Here's a question for you that I think is topical. Would you support a state law change allowing city appointments to the Hamilton East Library Board? I would say yes. As I think about that, since our community is so embedded with our library as we um, record this interview here at our library here in Fishers, um, I just believe taxation without representation is still tyranny. And there is a taxing element to our library board where we don't have elected officials here in the city of Fishers that are making appointments. We do have appointments, as I know, from the Hamilton Southeastern School president. We have an appointment from the Noblesville School Board, and then we have appointments from the county commissioners and, and from that perspective. But I believe that we should have an opportunity to make appointments by elected officials here in the city of Fishers, and ultimately that comes from the constituents who vote for those elected officials so they can voice their opinion throughout that. This is a, a question is, is because of uh, the relationship that you and I have had. You have – I have asked you before to mentor kids, and you have done that. And I've always been struck – uh, by people who mentor. What is what do you get out of that mentorship? I mean, you've mentored some of my all-time favorite kids. Uh, what do you get out of that? I get so much out of that, Mike, and it's not a financial benefit, but the benefit that I receive is so invaluable. When you see those students that you mentor and fast-forward a few years and you maintain that mentorship relationship and see the success that they're having in college or in their careers, it just makes me feel so good. And first of all, thanks for the opportunity, Mike, to allow me to forge those relationships with students of yours. And it makes me feel good that you feel that I'm a person who you can entrust that relationship with. And here in the last two weeks, I had two of my mentees who are graduates of Hamilton Southeastern Schools mm -hmm. who interned at my law firm while they were students and they had a passion for going to law school, and I have a passion for getting as many students into law school as possible. And they both went to my alma mater law school, mm -hmm. and they just received their bar results last week, and I was celebrating with them. And one last example, I had another student. Um, she graduated from law school and took a job at a major law firm on Wall Street, on Wall Street rather, in New York City. And my wife, I, we took a trip to see a Broadway play in New York, but I said, well, honey, I still have to stop by and see my mentee. And I was on Wall Street with my mentee at this prestigious law firm. And while I don't work on Wall Street, and I don't work for a prestigious law firm in New York, I felt like I was yeah. there because I was living vicariously through my mentee, and I am so proud of all of them. And it starts with those seeds that you plant. But the reason, Mike, I 
and I'm so passionate about being a mentor is because I have had so many mentors in my life, and I wouldn't be where I am today if it was not for them. So thanks for affording me that opportunity. Let's stay with schools here because the mayor, the city council unanimously uh, are all supporting the school referendum. There'll be a funding referendum on the November ballot, the same ballot you'll be on. But that'll be a yes or no vote as to whether people support the referendum. Explain your position on the referendum and why you take that position. Thanks, Larry. I would say I am 100% wholeheartedly, unanimously, unequivocally in support of our referendum. Now, as we know, I am running for city council, and I really want to win my race. Not for me personally, but I think it benefits all of our community for what I bring to the table. However, above my own race, I want to have that referendum to pass before anything else. So primarily because we have a great school district. Um, our academic excellence is at the top, bar none. And we want to continue to move in that direction. However, I don't want to even think about what would happen if that referendum does not pass. So immediately we would lose $26 million from our budget. How do we make up for that? What costs do we have to um, cut? And I'm in support of the referendum because as a former school board member, I saw personally how fiscally responsible we were of our budget at the school level, and it's not because the school district has not been good stewards over the resources that have been given to them um, as the reason why we need this referendum. It's because of the change in the school's formula um, at the governor's level when um, Governor Mitch Daniels was still in office. So I'm in support as a person who has served on the school board previously, as my wife who's taught 23 years in the district, as our three sons who have graduated from HSC schools and now are college graduates and are serving in their respective careers. That all stemmed from HSC schools. So we have to pass that referendum. I'm sending out a clarion call to everyone I talk with. So every door that I'm knocking on in Fishers, I'm saying, vote yes for the referendum. And by the way, also vote yes for Howard Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, your term's four years. And so if you're elected, have you laid out kind of like a priority list of the things that you want to see done in those four years? Do you have a goal list? I would love to be able to accomplish this, this, and this. I don't know if I have a goal list. I have a, a broad view or range of what I want to look at. First and foremost, as we know, my the city council's ultimate responsibility is to approve the budget for our city. And I want to roll up my sleeves, and I know we're in the process now. I was at the school board meeting last week where there was the first reading for the proposal for the 2024 um, city officials budget at approximately $160 million, I believe. Or I think it's 164 164 yes. Um, however, I want to roll up my sleeves and look at that, um, realizing also my skill sets are in that arena. So when I served on the school board, for example, most people don't know this, but the school board's budget is larger mm -hmm. than the city officer's budget. Also, the school district hires more employees than the city officers. So I have a strong relationship with our schools, but also experience being fiscally responsible. 
on a budget that's larger than the city of Fishers and also um, supervising more employees. So I want to focus on that when I come to the city council and also focus on entrepreneurship. You know, so as a small business owner for 18 years, creating 40 jobs in my small business, I believe I have a sensitivity and an awareness of what we need to do to create jobs. And also, as I was sharing earlier, being entrepreneurial for everyone. I want to see more minority, more women-owned, more veteran-owned businesses that will come here to Fishers. So I want to have a perspective like that. In recent months, uh, Fishers has been subjected to publicity that is not always positive and not always the city's fault itself. If someone living outside Fishers contacted you and asked, Howard, what's going on here? How would you answer that question? Well, I would rephrase your question, Larry. You said if someone outside of our community asked me that question, um, they've already asked me that. Oh, within the community. Okay. <laughs> so I've, I've received calls, text messages, emails from friends who know I live in Fishers. I've been here 23 years, and as I say, I love our community. But it's disappointing to see our community make the national news for something that's not positive. I always want our community to receive positive news of the job growth in our community, the reduction in the tax rate, um, our great quality schools. But we are making the national news on these cultural issues that is somewhat polarizing our community. And I feel bad to hear that as a 23-year resident of Fishers, and I pride myself on being a bridge builder and bringing people together. And I would say, hey, we need to do a better job in Fishers as relates to majoring in what is important. Some of these issues are side distraction issues that we have. And I'll use the library board, for example, You know whether or not there should be a relocation of the the books. I believe that is a solution to a problem that we did not have. And whether or not it's right or wrong to do that, we have people on both sides of that issue. But my position is, is it reasonable? (laughs) Is it reasonable to incur $300,000 in taxpayer funds um, to implement this book relocation program? So I would say, hey, we need to have a dialogue in our community Focus on what we believe will move our community forward and focus on those issues in a bridge-building perspective, and let's not deal with these issues that are going to polarize us that doesn't impact our community in a beneficial way. Well, we're about uh, done with our time. Uh, This is the question I ask all the candidates. Uh, Explain why people, voters who may be listening to this podcast, why they should vote for Howard Stevenson for a seat at large on the Fisher City Council. Thanks again, Larry and Mike, for having me. I believe people in Fishers should vote for Howard Stevenson, regardless of being a Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian. You should vote for Howard Stevenson because he is running to represent everyone in our community. I have a track record for 23 years in our community trying to serve as a bridge builder of bringing people together. And even prior to that, I've been a bridge builder my whole life. I just recall back in 1993, 
And it was actually September of 1993 is when I received my bar results. And I was so excited to read that first line where it says, we are pleased to announce, and I haven't read the entire letter in 30 years. But after I received my bar results, I was honored to serve on the Indiana Supreme Court as a judicial law clerk, which is very prestigious. And I was the first African-American to serve in that capacity in 1993. We've had some great lawyers um, who were African-American prior to me who probably should have had that opportunity, but they wasn't afforded that. But I served for the most conservative justice on the Indiana Supreme Court, the late Justice Richard Given. And I learned so much from him during that time. And I presume he learned from me because we need to work together. And then I later worked for the Office of the Attorney General. I worked for three attorney generals during that tenure. The first was Jeffrey Modisette, a Democrat. The second was Karen Freeman Wilson. And the third was Steve Carter. And Steve Carter is a Republican, and I worked um, closely with Steve Carter. We had a great relationship. And then later, Greg Zeller, the Republican attorney general, came in um, after I left um, state government and I started my law firm. My law firm was honored to have a contract to do legal work through the state attorney general's office, and that contract was through Steve Carter, the Republican, and it continued with Greg Zeller, the Republican attorney general who succeeded Steve Carter, not because I was Republican or a Democrat, but because I can work together with people on both sides of the aisle. And I've been consistent with that since I've lived in Fishers, and I believe people should vote for me because I'm running to serve everyone, and I'll bring my experience as a small business owner and an entrepreneur with me as well. Howard Stevenson is a candidate for Ham- for the Inherent Hamilton County for the Fishers City Council at-large seat. Howard Stevenson, thank you for uh, joining us today, and Mike Fossil, thanks for, for joining the, the conversation as well. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure.